0: Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Might I recommend, now that your young person has walked across that stage, you get them over to Leon Tailoring, get them to their Career Services Division. That's right. In this economy, even though jobs are plentiful, it won't help you if you don't look the part. So at Leon Tailoring Career Services Division, they got the perfect thing that your young man or young lady needs to get them off into the world of work and at very reasonable and affordable prices. And heck, who knows? You might even see something for yourself if you're looking for a new job. So swing on by Leon Tailoring, their Career Services Division, Larry. Norm, Kim, and Judy always glad to help you out. Leon Tayloring eight hundred nine North Delaware in downtown Indianapolis. Well, with lots of ups and downs in the economy these days, we figured we'd take a look and see how Indiana's economy is doing, particularly compared to the national scene. And so, join us on the newsline is Phil Powell. Phil is a professor at the IU Kelly School of Business. So, Phil, my friend, thank you very much for being with us. Always good to chat with you, sir. Absolutely. Thanks uh, for having me, Abdul. No worry. So, uh, overall, how would you rate uh, how Indiana's economy is doing these days? You know, Indiana's hanging in there. And
1: as much as it feels like bad times right now, both the U.S. and the Indiana economy are demonstrating remarkable resilience. And especially as we move forward, especially as manufacturing and companies are starting to bring their production back to the United States, Indiana is well positioned to benefit more than any other state from that this new renaissance in, in American manufacturing.
0: Yeah. I was going to ask you that because I know uh, they're talking about you know, sort of insourcing, bringing some of these jobs back from overseas, et cetera. How does Indiana compare with the rest of the country and how, and does, does, India stand to, does Indiana stand to do well?
1: It, it does. It, it, you have to understand that uh, com- companies that, that at one time outsourced and took their factories abroad are wanting to bring them back to North America. And, uh, in the last 20 years, manufacturing in Indiana has really come a long way. It's better; uh, The technology we use is much more advanced. Basically, all manufacturing in Indiana is advanced manufacturing, which means that it's not this old-style, low-skilled labor um, model. It's now sort of it's very technological, uh, very much a reflection of engineering and new technology like artificial intelligence and the Internet of Things. And so you walk into any factory in Indiana these days, you've got workers that are well skilled, well trained, and well paid.
0: So it's not the old uh, pull a lever like my grandfather used to pull a lever. The machine comes down. You just do that basically for eight hours a day and some change.
1: Exactly, those examples are becoming fewer and fewer and fewer in Hoosier manufacturing. So what is it So I'm sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, it just our biggest challenge as a state. Is going to be to produce, to be able to produce enough of these newer generation manufacturing workers who are better skilled and better trained. The more workers we have for that, the more growth we're going to see and the more companies we're going to see come back to Indiana.
0: You know, it's funny, because that was going to be my next question, which is, uh, I totally get the, 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 advanced, the, the advanced manufacturing coming back to, this, to the state of Indiana. I guess my question is, do we have the workers and the workforce to do these new advanced jobs? Because, like we said, it's not your grandfather's factory anymore.
1: Correct. I mean, right now, in the United States, unemployment's about 3.5%. Indiana always does a little bit better than the nation. So we're at 3.1 percent unemployment, and you got to understand from an from an economist perspective, once you hit that low level, there's really no workers left, and so, um, we're as as we have this n- this new opportunity for manufacturing, for new generation 21st century manufacturing to come back to the state of Indiana, we're going to be challenged to staff those new facilities. Um, with the kind of workers that are, have, have enough skill. When you look at Indiana compared to other states that we compete with, our level of, of, of training is less, which makes us less competitive. So while I am bullish on opportunities for Indiana, I am sober on the fact, hey, can we, can we compete better than the other states? Otherwise, we're going to lose a lot of opportunity that's out there. Going to other places where you have – a little bit more sophisticated approach to workforce development.
0: Our guest on the program today is Phil Powell. Phil is a professor at the IU Kelly School of Business. So we're talking about Indiana's, Indiana's economy and how things are going these days and what improvements can be made and where Indiana is doing quite well. Uh, Phil, we talk about uh, sort of workforce development, I know that's been a big issue uh, for the governor, also uh, for the General Assembly, and for like you know uh, basically every chamber of commerce uh, in the entire universe. How did Indiana get to the point where we just had uh, so many... I guess, I won't say unskilled labor, but, but so much labor that, that can't be used for this advanced, for this advanced manufacturing? Where, how did all that start?
1: So I think it's just been, it's been a long... We, we just have fallen behind. I think we've become complacent. For example, when you compare certain... I'll give you one example. But overall, when you compare the programs that we have as a state, it's not cutting edge. It's, it's not as, as bold as what you find in other states. For example, compare our 21st century Scholars Program, which is a well placed program and gives a lot of young Hoosiers, uh, you know, really generous tuition assistance. But however, it's been burdensome to get to, to, to know about the program. It's been burdensome to, to register for it. Um, compare that to other states where all the lottery money goes towards scholarship money. It's uh, students come out of high school are automatically enrolled in tuition assistance programs or workers, um, I think what's happened in Indiana is there's, there's been the will, there's been effort by our state, our state policymakers. It's just we haven't been innovative or entrepreneurial enough in the design of those programs to make them, first of all, accessible to both employers and uh, employees to upskill themselves, and secondly, uh, uh, targeted to the industries that are going to drive our economy. And I know our state house in the current budget session is working to make that happen, so is the governor's office, but we're playing a game of catch-up right now of many, 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 many years of complacency and also of thinking that economic development was more about recruiting companies than it was developing talent.
0: You know, it's, it's, interesting, it's interesting that you bring that up, because I remember uh, being at a, an, an Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute uh, sort of seminar a couple of years ago, and it was... I want to say the, the the presenter sort of sort of showed her a map of Indiana, and I want to say everything sort of east of Hancock County to the border, uh, sort of south of Fort Wayne and sort of north of Jeffersonville was used to be sort of very very heavy manufacturing central, but now almost sort of uh, sort of devastated when the big plants everything sort of went away.
1: Yes, I mean you know Indiana has for over a century we've been a, a leader in manufacturing, and. The role of manufacturing, though, in the U.S. economy, really retreated between the 1980s and really just last decade. So we're just we're just now seeing this this renaissance. So um, that that has an overhang of of generations, Um, you know, because these you know places like Muncie and and Kokomo and and other sort of manufacturing intensive cities in, in in Indiana. Decades and decades and decades of economic structures and networks formed around that old style of manufacturing. And when those businesses left, when those factories went to Mexico or went to China, it really scarred and left a long shadow on the ability of those cities to turn themselves around. The good news is is that with reshoring and the fact that in in Indiana, we're really good at making stuff. (laughs) We're the most manufacturing-intensive economy in, among all states in the union, no state is better positioned than to, 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 to capitalize on this opportunity to turn things around, especially those communities that were scarred in the 80s and 90s. There's still that legacy of manufacturing. There's still the legacy of those of that knowledge and economic network that can really help these companies come back and scale up faster than they would in other parts of the country that don't have any history of manufacturing.
0: Um, what, when you look at uh, sort of our history of manufacturing, and we said it's advanced manufacturing now, uh, do people need a, need a college degree or just a post-secondary education or just some sort of certification to sort of get these new manufacturing jobs?
1: A lot of it is really good post-secondary training, really good focused technology-intensive vocational training. That's more mathematical. That's more about you know. That includes some some computer coding. That includes some more advanced sort of reasoning, um, and uh, per, uh, mathematical skills than we had in the past. It doesn't require a college degree. And while 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 Indiana would be more competitive if we had perhaps five percent more of the labor force with a college degree, at the end of the day, we can get really far. With some, with some really good, well-designed, well-positioned post-secondary
0: technical training. Phil Powell with us for a few more minutes on the program day, We're talking about the state's economy. Uh, Phil, I want to change gears a little bit, talk about uh, the state budget. Uh, looks like lawmakers, looks like we'll have another uh, surplus again. It uh, seems to be a debate, should we spend the money on new programs? Should we use it to pay off debt? Uh, what do you think lawmakers should do with the extra cash we have laying around?
1: Well, you know, there's still a lot, as we come out of covid our economy, whether it's the state or the nation, it's just more uncertain. There's a lot more risk than there, structurally than there was before COVID, and that's not just because of the pandemic and the impact of that, but also the geopolitical issues that are at play. Questions of you know what's artificial intelligence going to do to the economy? There's lots of there's lots of, of churning going on right now, which means the state probably needs to you know make sure and feel good about the rainy day front that it saves. But at the same time, this state. Need has some very acute areas of need for for public investment. Um, you know, again, like I said earlier, well well positioned, sort of precision uh, technical training to help upskill Hoosiers. That's a good place to invest. Public health. We lag the rest of the nation in terms of just a basic public health infrastructure. That will help make the state more competitive. So I would encourage the state. To, to still be conservative on, on keeping a rainy day fund, but for money that they can invest, invest bold and invest in, 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 our, in, our, in the human capital that keeps this economy moving in the state of Indiana.
0: Uh, my friend, uh, as we get ready to wind down our conversation, I want to consider go back to how we started. You said uh, sort of sort of Indian, sort of in a mixed in a mixed picture. I think you could also say that for the national average, for the national picture as well. You know, on the one hand, we have real very low unemployment; wages are, are going up. On The other hand, you have a lot of uncertainty out there, like you know, gas prices, oil prices, the uh, situation uh, in in the Ukraine. Uh, it almost seems like we sort of it almost seems like we have sort of economic schizophrenia going on right now.
1: We do, and I think it's important for your listeners to understand that. The state of the economy is much better than it feels, and Indiana is in a good place. It's also a well diversified economy, which which hedges our risk of any one sector going going south. So, I want to leave your listeners with, you know, that that that, that even though it feels uncertain and it feels scary, the economy is really demonstrating an, an, an amazing amount of resilience right now, and that's something to bank on moving forward. As we as we go into this post COVID economy,
0: uh, what do you think the impact of property taxes are going to be uh, this year on Hoosiers' pocketbooks?
1: Well, you know, I mean, infl- inflation plus an increase in, in residential values uh, does give the opportunity to 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 up, you know, to increase the, the, the taxable value of those properties. So, I know I wouldn't be surprised if, if if Hoosier households see a little bit of a bump there. Just because of the increase in market value, and you know, also inflation increases the market value. Also, so uh, yeah, that might that that might be a small pinch that that Hoosiers feel this year. Oh, by the way, the increase in market values.
0: I know I was forgetting something. That was when to asked you the the big I word, inflation. Uh, how bad is it uh, compared to uh, say the the early nineties, the, the the early eighties? Remember, my mom and dad were always complaining about inflation, high prices. Is it, is it worse now than it was before? Is it all relative?
1: Well late you know the second of the second half of last year was was bad we were real economists were really worried it never got as bad as it was in the early 80s but if if the federal reserve had not increased interest rates so boldly then we would have been we would have we were headed to that to that same situation the good news is we're about 3 months into the year uh inflation's down to about 5 and 6% right now the Federal Reserve and most people that study the economy want to see that number below four percent. We expect that. We, I expect, as one economist, I and a lot of our models show that we expect it to hit below four percent by the fourth quarter, and that's because of the interest rate increases. And I'm only expecting one more one more rate increase of about twenty five basis points, as long as mark as long as prices continue to fall. And that's another piece of good news this year is that is that inflation is falling, inflation is retreating. And next year should be much more normal than we've had in the last two years. And normal is an inflation rate between two and four
0: percent. So what was so what was responsible for all our for our inflation woes this time around?
1: It was a perfect storm. You had uh, you had more demand caused by very generous government spending, um, and also you had you had households save a lot of money during COVID. Right? We you know. Th- the savings rate during the second quarter of 2020 was 37%, when it's usually five. So who's your households have a lot of extra money to spend right now. In fact, that's what's, that's what's preventing a recession right now. So you have households spending a lot of money they saved. You have the government spending a lot of money. And then you have really low interest rates. So you have businesses borrowing very, very, you know, kind of nonchalantly. So there's a lot of, a lot of demand for goods and services out there. And then when you have higher oil prices, when you have broken supply chains because of COVID, uh, and when, when, when you have workers slow to come back in the workforce, you have less supply. So we had so it was a double whammy effect of people of the market wanting more stuff, but the capacity to produce it was less. You know, Classic supply and demand, econ 101, price is going to shoot way up. So it was a combination of all those factors.
0: Final question for you, my friend. Uh, what should uh, the average person, average consumers, be concerned about, or worried about, or of this matter, or in some cases, maybe not worried about, but this economy in Indiana?
1: If I was to, you know, right now we're still kind of walking a thin line between recession, between slow growth and recession, and I would watch two things: our business, our household is going to continue to spend money as long as as long as we're out there still spending money, shopping either online or in retail. That's going to keep the economy going, and as long as inflation continues to come down in response to the Federal Reserve, I would be watching those two things, and if anything gets out of whack on either of those two things, then we could, we could fall into a recession, and that recession would be something like we experienced perhaps in the early 90s or the early 2000s where unemployment went up about three points. So that's, that's kind of the worst-case scenario that we're looking at right now here at the Indiana Business Research Center at the Kelly School of Business.
0: All right. Well, our guest in the program today has been uh, Philip Powell, Uh, Philip is professor at the IU Kelly School of Business. Phil, my friend, thank you very much for being with us. Always good to talk with you. Thank you, sir. Have a great afternoon. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.